Bitcoin. All right. That should be good. We should be able to sync up there. Um, all right. Uh, I'm in Miami. You're in Hong Kong. I'm at a shitcoin conference. Do the you want to talk about Hong conference. Kong? Do you want people to know that you're... Uh, well, we're talking about Hong it right Kong? now. Aren't we recording? We're live. We are live, but what's up, freaks? Welcome to this week's edition... Welcome to this week's edition of Rabbit Hole Recap, brought to you by our friends at BlockFi.com. You know all about them. Uh, if you're looking to hold on to your Bitcoin, Ether, or Litecoin, I do not like the the latter two of those those three options. You can go to BlockFi, take out a collateralized loan using your Bitcoin, uh, so you do not have to sell. It's going to be very, very imperative in this upcoming tax season. Uh, if the tax season actually comes to fruition, if the government over opens up again, BlockFi is the place to go to BlockFi.com slash Tales from the Crypt. You freaks are getting a special deal. You've already heard about it. Check it out. Check out crypto collateralized loans if you get a chance, if you're looking to hold on to your Bitcoin. Matt, what the hell is going on in Hong Kong? What time is it there? Everyone's everyone's wondering why Rabbit Hole Recap's late. It's because you're in Miami and I'm in Hong Kong. Fucking 13-hour difference over here. It is 10.52 in Hong Kong. It's 9.52 a.m. in Miami. I am looking across um, Victoria Harbor. There's a huge AXA ad. And I'm just just wondering if if it's part of the conspiracy. Have you seen Adam back? Has he been walking around? (laughs) He probably (laughs) maintains the uh, advertisement. I'm not sure about that, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you gotta be careful, freaks. There's some lizard people controlling Bitcoin. Uh, AXA is there. Is there? There's uh, no headquarters. Bil- There's no Bilderberg ad though. Just an AXA ad. Yeah, they try to be discreet with it. They don't want to put it all in your face at once. It's the way to um, do it. Matt, question for you: How is the water pressure in your hotel room? Oh, the water pressure is fantastic. They really yeah. do not care about the environment here. Yeah, I wish I could say the same about this hotel in Miami. Really disappointing flush flush pressure and shower pressure um that's one thing i look for in a hotel first first time you you go in you gotta you gotta check out the water pressure i'm happy that you have some quality water pressure over there in hong kong yeah i have a rain head shower it's pretty it's a pretty fantastic shower actually sounds pretty dope do you want to tell the freaks why you're over there i think it's a pretty cool story um or would you rather not my my great grandfather uh built the I mean, I guess, I guess to start, I mean, my, my family was back in the, the 30s and the 40s where they were quite loaded, uh, French money from Alsace-Lorraine, and they moved to Hong Kong, and the Japanese took everything, and they put them in internment camps. And so after the war in 1952, my great-grandfather built uh, the first real theater in Hong Kong. He brought the Beatles over, a bunch of big acts, and uh, it was supposed to be his big comeback. He ended up selling in 1957, and now they're thinking of of either knocking down the theater and, and building a new development or building a development around the theater and, and renovating it. So they're interviewing my grandmother for a documentary, and uh, they flew her out here, and I'm escorting her pretty fucking cool it's like we have a family historian he's done so much research on all this shit really yeah it seems pretty dope it's uh when you first told me i was 
I don't know, it was, it's a very interesting story. Very, uh, and it explains a lot of why you're into Bitcoin. I never knew that before a couple of weeks ago. We, we went to their home, their old home. Um, it's still there. It's owned by the University of Hong Kong and they have a, um, like, uh, Cantonese pop singer, this really famous pop singer that sings, you know, in Hong Kong. He, he, uh, rents the place now. He completely renovated it and tried to bring it back to it. He, like, did Universal Records is his, uh, label. He, like, did, uh, co-production with Rihanna and shit. He's, like, a big deal. He brought us into his home. Well, it was like our old home, I guess. And uh, it was just a really fun time, really interesting, really tiring, but interesting and exciting. How's it feel to get reconnected with your roots? What kind of feelings are you feeling right now? I just, you know, I wish my great grandfather hodled that theater, man. Probably <laughs> like, uh, it's probably worth like 400 mil now or something like that. He died poor. Well, you're doing a good job of. Uh of rebuilding the family name, I would say. I like to think it. I like to think it. Yeah. How's the shitcoin so, conference going? The shitcoin conference. It's like the number one shitcoin conference of the world. It's where Ethereum yeah. was launched in 2014 in a back room. It's true. The North American Bitcoin conference. Uh, I'm in Miami. That's what I'm here for. Uh, I have not ventured down to the, uh, the conference yet. I got here last night. Um, met up with some people I work with. We got dinner and then actually met with a couple of the guys from Unchained Capital uh, from West Texas last night. So I have not run into any shit coiners yet. My uh, experience up to this point has been pleasant. I'm not sure how well that'll go. I'm going to go down there after we record this and I post it and we'll see what is happening. And uh, we'll talk about it next week when we're in person again. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've never been. This is I'm I'm pretty excited to hear how it goes. I know uh, I remember last year they they really they outdid themselves. It was pretty. Uh, it, was, it was right at the top of the market, especially the altcoin market. I remember yeah, apparently, what was it like the Dash Strip Club controversy. Apparently, it wasn't um, a strip club. There's a lot of uh, misinformation around this, but Dash did throw a banger that had promiscuous dancers at it. Um, well, I mean, in Dash. In Dash's defense, and I would never defend Dash, even though I'm about to do it. I mean, I think it was Dash sponsored it, but uh, TNABC they were running organizing, right? Yeah, it was like an official after party. Yeah, and then yeah. Wan, I remember Wan Chain got launched there last year. I had a buddy who tried to show that to me. Uh, am I about to go see like shit coins being launched downstairs? Yeah, I mean they they're gonna have they're gonna have tons and tons of uh, shitcoin presentations for you if it's anything like last year. I remember I watched a live stream. Ugh, sounds terrible. You're gonna love it. Probably won't. I am actually. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think Krista Rose and John Seth are here. Uh, I would like to seek them out. Uh, seek out uh, some podcaster Bitcoin podcaster OGs. Talk to them. Pick their brains. Uh, See if DeRose tries to, to confront Bitcoin maximalism in person. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, like all these other conferences, the best part isn't the conference, right? The best part is all the people that come down and you get to network outside of it. See a bunch of people that you only know online. So that should be fun. Yeah. And I know you have some good interviews lined up, so I'm excited to listen to those. 
I do. I did some interview prepping last night, and uh, we're going to have a good conversation. I, I picked up a new guest down here, too. Fucking badass. I'm excited, Marty. Keep hustling. Thanks, bro. You, t- you too. Speaking of hustling, thanks for the segue. Let's hustle into these topics we got lined up. What do you want to start with? Been a been a pretty crazy week. We got a lot of big news. Uh, shitcoin launch. I won't call it a shitcoin. Uh, an altcoin launch. Uh, a a delay in, in another hard fork in Ethereum. Uh, Bitmex new ICO research. What do you want to jump into first? Um, Constantinople is this Istanbul now? Right? Is that what we're saying? I think <laughs> Constantinople, Istanbul, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, it seems like I think like that's they, kind of a big deal. I think that's the biggest deal, right? Yeah, yeah. So let's jump into this. So for you freaks that don't know or are not aware, uh, yesterday, I believe, the 16th, Ethereum was scheduled to hard fork, uh, basically the first step on their transition and a long journey to proof of stake uh, would be this Constantinople hard fork, which would cut the emissions, uh, the third inning. They had some terrible, we talked about the third inning last week. They had some terrible marketing around that. They're going to cut the block reward from three ether per block to two ether per block, as well as some other upgrades to make uh, the system more efficient. Uh, a couple days before the scheduled hard fork, uh, security team uh, found uh, a future potential vulnerability in the forked version of Constantinople. So if they were to fork um, over to Constantinople, the way Ethereum is structured in the code, uh, specifically with the gas limits and certain types of contracts, uh, an attacker would be able to exploit uh, a certain smart contracts on Ethereum in this new version of Ethereum uh, via the Constantinople hard fork. So uh, the security team called it out, and they and within six hours they delayed the hard fork, uh, which is I, I'm curious to see how they did that. Yeah, I mean. Uh and in, in a very bad way, right? The exploit, you could have drained funds. People could have lost a bunch of money, which is like worst case yeah. scenario. Similar to the Dow hack. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty scary for Ethereum stakeholders. I uh, think it's a great example of why hard forks should be avoided at all costs rather than doing the exact opposite, which is what Ethereum has been doing, which is trying to do as many hard forks as possible, it seems like. I think Monero's um, got to beat there. What was that? Monero? Yeah, well, Monero's got like that six-month automatic let's hard fork every six months. Mm-hmm. It's not great either. Same idea. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, I, I, I don't I don't know what to say except for the fact that you know good for them that they caught that in time that could have been really bad as far as people worrying about whether or not all the nodes were going to upgrade before the hard fork or whether all the nodes could downgrade before the hard fork once they found out it uh, was vulnerable uh, that's not really that much of a problem because their nodes are extremely centralized so all you have to do is send Infura an email and they'll make sure that it's it's handled um i you know the key is when you do these hard forks is all the old clients don't matter anymore so for instance when we had the recent bitcoin bug 
which is what all the Ethereum people are going to counter our discussion here today with, um, the, one, the inflation bug, the older clients would have immediately realized that there was an issue. But with hard forks, the older clients don't matter anymore, so they're not, they're not involved in the process. Uh, so you can have these really sticky situations. It's really like worst case scenario situations because you you structure it in such a way that you're you're doing hard forks all the time, and this is just a perfect example of why you should um, avoid those at all costs. And then we already yeah. we've already discussed multiple times about how you just willy nilly switching mining rewards and shit is just a horrible idea uh, mm-hmm. because miners have long term long-term investments they have to deal with right yeah no it's uh i think it's a harsh lesson in the reality of the nature of these blockchains and in the externalities that exist like if they were about to hard fork and they didn't even catch that bug until six hours before like imagine what they haven't caught like imagine when does it exist like what zero days exist somewhere else in the code that somebody hasn't got their eyes on um and like, Again, who the talk- fuck was the security team, right? I mean, we never, no one ever heard of them before, right? I never heard of Came them. Came out of nowhere. No, I never heard of them either. So like, good thing, good thing these guys posted a medium post on it, right? <laughs> this wasn't right? like the core dev consensus or whatever. The ten guys in a room with Lubin deciding this was just some randos looked into it and they were like, guys, you missed this. Yeah. So yeah, miss this. Pretty big, pretty big miss. Um, and then the other thing is you have the difficulty bomb, which is designed to force these hard forks, right? So now the difficulty mm-hmm. bomb started ticking, I think. So now they're like, <laughs> yeah. they're like, blocks are slower. Yeah, they so forgot forced, to, they forgot to, they forgot to hit snooze again, bro. They for, well, this was supposed to be the snooze button. So now they're like rushing out a new hard fork. They got to get the hard fork out, right? Like whether or not they do a full Istanbul hard fork or if they do uh just a snooze. snooze button hard fork they have to do a hard fork and they put themselves in this situation they think that's a feature but it's really a bug yeah and uh, this the scheduled new hard fork is next monday correct yeah it's coming up well i mean i guess because of time travel it's gonna happen i does it happen on tuesday for me or does it happen on sunday i'm not sure i'm like so I'm confused sure at this 13 hours but uh it's gonna happen so we'll see how that plays out. That should be interesting. Yeah, and let's jump into like is the is Ethereum decentralized? Like how are they able to make this decision in such haste? How was the network able to co- like coordinate in such a, a hasty way? Like again, like you're over in Hong Kong, what if you fucking had a, a fully updated node ready for the Constantinople fork, you fell asleep and uh woke up after the fork was supposed to happen and realized you were on the wrong chain. I mean, it's not like I'm going to bring my node with me to, uh, definitely not in, in an Ethereum node like this. <laughs> I can't bring right? that to Hong Kong with me. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, like we said, Infura just handles that for them. That's, That's true. They, I think hey. this is a kind of an emperor has no clothes moment. Obviously it's, it's not very decentralized if at all. Yeah. And, uh, I'm a contrarian in the sense, uh, not a not a contrarian in the sense that I don't like Ethereum or think it's a shittily designed protocol. Um, 
I'm contrarian in the th- in the the belief that I don't think it's going to be as around as long as people think. Like people think it's going to be around for years. I think these these critical mistakes they're making are going to uh, sort of swiftly help people come to the realization that this is not the most advantageous way to build these decentralized protocols. I think I'm giving Ethereum a less than three year lifespan uh, into the future. I mean, it depends what it depends what you call dead, right? Like if it turns uh, into like a ripple network, that's like pretty centralized. Is it dead? The goal of becoming a decentralized world computer run on a proof of stake consensus protocol. I don't think that will ever come to fruition. Well, so then let's. So this is a good segue. Um, James Prestwich uh, released his uh, uh, his ETH two point What to expect when Ethereum is expecting? Yeah, great, great name. name. Yeah, that's really good title. Yeah, so let's jump into this. E2.0. If you freaks haven't seen it, we'll put the link in the show notes. James Prestwich works at Suma, correct? Suma 1? Um, yes. Which is, and he's very involved with writing smart contracts on Ethereum and is probably one of the most respected Solidity devs or Ethereum devs in the world. Am I correct in assuming that? I mean, he's definitely one of the most respected Ethereum critics from the Ethereum mm-hmm. camp themselves, right? Yeah, yeah, but he's also working on it. So he's not just a critic; he's also got skin in oh, the game. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. Yes. Um, and so he came out with what to expect when Ethereum's expecting, basically laying out their plans uh, to transition to proof stake over what seems to be a ten-year period. Um, and there's a lot of empty holes that need to be filled within that plan. Uh, so the only two phases they have pretty much fleshed out of a seven-phase. Uh, rollout or one and two, correct? And then parts of three? Yeah, I mean, it's all just crazy, right? Yeah, well, yeah, so the future of Ethereum, like, they, they're creating a whole new token. It's going to be called Beacon ETH. Like, you'll be able to get what's called Beth. It's a whole new chain. Yeah, it's a whole new chain. They're completely giving up on the chain that they started with. Um, and so you're basically... I bl- is it might be after the Constantinople hard fork or one of the other planned future ones in the near future, in the next one to two years, you'll be able to buy what is essentially uh, a call option on the future potential Ethereum network uh, in the form of a Beth token. And like the the tokens and the smart contracts don't transfer over easily. Yeah, uh, the, the, just... the smart contract languages are are not the same, but apparently they're trying to make them uh, compatible. Um, it just seems like, again, it's, it's, they're trying to figure this out on the go. And I, again, I do not think they will be able to figure out in the long run. I mean, it just, it comes back, it comes back to the same thing with the constant Constantinople bug. Like you need everything with these systems should be as simple as possible, right? When you add complexity, you make it way more likely that you'll have bugs in your hard forks. And it seems like their ETH 2.0 plan is trying to add as much complexity as possible rather than try and simplify their already complex bullshit, right? And that's, that's the main issue. Like to, simpl- to simplify the argument is that it's not simple enough. Right? And I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I'm taking crazy pills, man. Like how... 
how does anybody have like how can anybody put any credence into this project they have not delivered on any i don't know i'm not gonna who cares we I'm don't even gonna, know what the block reward is gonna be in a year right <laughs> like let alone I like i that's why I, we we kind of touched on this last episode a little bit and i was like how can we even speculate on what's gonna happen with eth 2.0 we don't even know what's happening with eth 1.0 so it's just right i mean investors don't like this miners are investors as well they don't like this I think stakeholders in general shouldn't like this, and hopefully the market will start to come to terms and realize this. But we'll I don't know, see. Man. Are, the, are the powers of decentralized finance strong enough to will it into into existence? I mean, I'm I'm less optimistic than you in terms of ETH dying. Like, I think this, you know, it can last like a long time. Like, look at look at Ethereum Classic. Ethereum Classic is a dead chain. Uh, it. I would consider that debt. It was. It was. So we were talking about whether or not it was an, an eclipse attack or a reorged full chain wide, um, like a, a a true reorg, and it, it ended up being a true reorg for ETC. Like both Gate and Yobit were attacked. They uh, finally admitted to it. Um, so it wasn't just Coinbase getting their nodes surrounded, like a lot of people speculated originally. So, like, that chain is fucking worthless. Like, it's not secure. And, what, it's only down 20%. I think I looked and I saw that Grayscale, you know, Barry Silbert's investment trust, they have, like, $25 million worth of ETC uh, under management. Like, that's crazy. Like, absolutely crazy. They sent out emails to all their people. They were like, don't worry, like, our specific funds aren't at risk. Yeah, okay, because you're not sending them around, so they can't get reorged. Like, ridiculous. So, so like, Ethereum could last for a very long time. Like, you, these things don't die so quickly. But, uh... I don't know, I don't know, I just have a feeling. Who the fuck knows? I have a feeling, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. So that happened. Uh, planned next hard fork uh, next week. We'll we'll follow that. Uh, my my Twitter thread that I started in August of 2017 is aging like a fine wine, um, which is great to see. Oh, that thread. Great. Yeah. Um, okay, so we just did 15 minutes of shitting on Ethereum. I think that's a. <laughs> That's a fair amount of time, considering this is an hour-long pod. Um, oh, but we, we're we going to have to shit on it a little bit more. BitMEX released um, their new ICO research. Uh, what did they say? $25 billion worth of tokens at the peak were allocated to ICO teams themselves. Yeah, so something like crazy I- like that. The ICO teams, they double-dip, right? They they sell you the tokens that they pre-mined for Ethereum, and they automatically cash those out. And then they also allocate themselves their own tokens that they can cash out over time. Um, and that's just, it's just blatant money grab. They just, the whole use case of ICOs, 99% of ICOs, the whole point was just to take your money. And that's me being fair by saying 99%. It's higher than that. And you're talking and, like overtly just... Yeah. Like launch a token and cash out pretty immediately. Like that's what that's what the Bitmax research proved. Well, Correct. actually, a lot of them didn't sell their tokens. They're worth like five billion now or something because 
mm-hmm. were illiquid. Yeah. It was like hard for them to dump them. Uh, but five billion too much still, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and Ethereum enabled all this shit. They prioritized tokens. They launched an ICO themselves. They set the model. And Vitalik and Co. advised and funded a shit ton of these ICOs projects. So, like, this is the house they built. Yeah. And people shouldn't forget that. Remember that, people. Fucking don't let them get away with it. Exactly. But they're proud of it. It's crazy. It's like, maybe we're wrong. That's what makes me, like, question. Like, people are proud of it. They're excited about it. Um, It seems to me ethically dubious. But, uh... I don't know. I don't know. We're, we're done shitting on it. I mean, let's talk about. You can say you can say all you want about Bitcoiners, but at least we didn't fucking do that. You know, that's like, how can how can you talk? How can any of them ever talk shit about Bitcoiners when when they literally just stole a shit ton of people's money, just with false promises and absolute bullshit? Like fucking ridiculous, man. It just people should be mad as hell. It makes me so angry. I mean, I didn't get fucking ripped on that because I knew better, but so many people did, and that's that's a shame. Yeah, it is. It really is. And it will happen again. Just be aware. That's why we do this show, is to help highlight these uh, perceived um, ethically dubious actions in this space. Again, this is our our take. This is my take. This is the rabbit hole recap. This is what we think. Um, I believe it pretty strongly. We'll see how how time uh, treats treats us and and the ICO launchers. Um, speaking of coin launches, though, a lot of a lot of scuttlebutt going on on crypto Twitter. We had we had one this week, uh, and it's actually probably a good juxtaposition of the previous topic because uh, some will argue this is like if you were going to launch an all coin uh, in today's day and age and want it to be uh, seemingly as fair as possible, the way Grin did it is probably the fairest way. But that doesn't mean Grin is legitimate. We'll get into that. Uh, Matt, what do you think about the Grin launch? Wait, Grin launched this week? Yeah, you didn't you didn't uh, hear that, dude? It's 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 this has got to be the most hyped launch we've had since Zcash. Everyone's talking about it on Twitter, even so-called uh, at least people who have been accused of being Bitcoin maxis for a while are all chilling it at this point. You know, yeah, so uh, yeah, it's it's yeah. The uh, Bitcoin community is split in half. Um, uh, let's so let's talk about it. Was the launch fair in your mind? I am very happy about the Grin launch because I think that um, I the whole ICO bullshit that Ethereum created really corrupted the whole space. Before that. All the launches were POW launches without pre-mines. Um, otherwise, they were labeled a scam. So it's nice to come back to those roots. Um, it's not a panacea. Like We'll never have the immaculate conception that Bitcoin had. You love talking about the immaculate conception. You know, No one knew Bitcoin was going to have value when, they, when it originally launched. Um, so there'll never be a launch as fair as Bitcoin. But it's uh, definitely a huge improvement over uh, the ICO method, right? And uh, it's good to see that we've come back to that. It's true. 
Um, yeah, definitely. If you're if you're on a scale from fair to unethical, uh, I think I think uh, Grin's launch is definitely trending far into the fair launch side of it. But let's get into so like I wrote about it in the bent this morning. Uh, shout out me. I'm gonna pat myself on the back. Number four hundred <laughs> went out this morning. Um, Congrats. But yeah, like uh, thanks, dude. Appreciate it. Um, but uh, again, like. Every altcoin since Nadecoin has been trying to produce serendipity, the serendipity that Bitcoin was created in, or the serendipitous moment that Bitcoin was created in. And again, I'm going to get poetic and somewhat uh, just like romantic here, but I do, uh, again, I do think there's a romanticism around Bitcoin's launch that cannot be replicated and is essential to the long term success of, of uh, decentralized money. Um, Again, uh, I don't call me a Bitcoin maximalist. Call me irrational. Uh, I do have a sort of romanticism, romantic relationship with this stuff, and I do think narratives and stories are important. And I just don't think anybody's going to be able to replicate the serendipitous moment that Bitcoin was incepted in. Am I wrong in yeah, thinking I that, Matt? No, I mean I completely agree. I mean I don't think altcoins are a threat to Bitcoin. So I'm I'm happy to see uh a better altcoin right mm -hmm. I, that's true it's it's new novel privacy technology um i think privacy is very important uh i think grin is a very crowded trade what some people were saying that over 100 million dollars worth of vc capital was poured into mining operations to go into it in the beginning um you have a very similar situation as with zcash where they they have a horrible monetary policy and, and the way they set it up was it's really hard to mine in the beginning to try and simulate a fair a fairer launch. So it creates this this weird situation where these VCs are pouring a ton of money in and they're not really doing any profit calculations. They're just saying, fuck it, you know, let's throw a ton of money at this thing. Uh, so it's probably not going to be a good investment for them. They'll probably get wrecked on it, at least in the beginning. That's what happened with Zcash. I don't know if you remember Zcash. Um, the price skyrocketed like right, right in the beginning and then just collapsed. Uh, but, you know, if we're going to have future, if we're going to have future Mimblewimble sidechains or something, like we need them to test this shit out for us so we can see how we're going to do it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let them yeah, go to I, town. I, I, like, I I'm not I'm not mining grin, you're not mining grin, but let's No. I'm not no. going to completely ignore it. I'm going to watch how that sh this shit unfolds and I think Bitcoin will be improved because of it. Bitcoin will become stronger and better because of it. Yeah. And so let's talk about how Mimblewimble can potentially be uh, added to Bitcoin. The consensus, or I don't know if there's even consensus around it, but I think a lot of the strong opinions agree that it would have to be done via federated sidechain. Is that correct? Uh-oh. I lost Matt. Signal's reconnecting. Um, maybe he's talking on his end, too. Uh-oh. Waiting. Waiting. We're at minute 
Yo. Yo. Are we back? Yeah, we're back. I'll just cut that part out. Um, okay, sorry about that, freaks. We're back. Yeah, we're back. The connection caught. Remote pods. That's why I like to do it in person. Never have these hiccups. Um, what we'll were we talking about? Freaks. Oh, we were talking about... Oh, yeah. I was asking. I was positing how Mimblewimble would be uh, implemented into Bitcoin potentially at some point in the future. And am I right in saying that the strong opinion or the strongest opinion is via federated sidechain? Right. That's the easiest. And federated sidechain is the easiest. Okay. And what are, and there's some like, there's, what are, do you, can you describe the trade offs of uh, implementing Mimblewimble at the protocol level? I, I can't uh, with any, with any, uh, uh, virility and argument uh, make, I make mean, the case right now. The, I mean, the main overview, right, is that it's really hard to audit the supply, right? It's the same argument we have. Um, it's, uh, the, there's and, two main arguments. It's hard to audit the supply, and the tech is and f- is brand fucking new. We haven't really yeah. tested it. It's not battle tested. And um, it fucks up scripting too, right? What was that? It fucks up the scripting language too. Oh, yeah, there's no scripting, so we can't do lightning network and shit. We can't do multi-sig, I'm pretty sure. Um, Yeah, so that's a major issue. The other thing is Grin's monetary policy is really shitty. Uh, It just inflates constantly. Um, I think, what what, is it like 400% inflation for the first year or something crazy? Uh, Yeah, 400% and then 100% the next year. Um, It's producing a Grin every, every 60 seconds, correct? Yeah, so the other option is like we if you if you make it actually I'm not even sure if you could do it with uh, since it doesn't have uh scripting language. I'm not even sure if you could do it, but the other option is if if we can make it so you could easily switch between Bitcoin and Grin, you could just use it as like a mixer with a shitty utility token. Right? And then you get the benefit. You go into Grin, you clean your coins and then you go back into Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um but either way, yeah, I, it's a good test. People shouldn't go crazy about it. It's like probably the most crowded trade of the year. Um, and let's see how it plays out. Let's, wa- let's watch how it plays out, and, and, and we'll figure out how to go from here. It's, it's been launched for what, like two days? Beam yeah. launched. Beam, Beam is the other Mimblewimble, major Im- Mimblewimble implementation, um, and they have like a Zcash-style founder's reward. Uh and what they had like a major ass bug in their in their client. Yeah, but there's that also like three. Result- there's like three yeah. beams. So was that the one you're referring to? Well, the beam definitely the, the beam one I'm ref- referring to is the Mimblewimble beam. <laughs> um, yeah, people like that name. It's a good name. It's four letters. Uh, but uh, yeah, so let's just see how this shit plays out. There's no reason to get your panties in a bunch. It's not gonna take down Bitcoin. Uh, so I'm not worried just, about that at all. Yeah, so let's watch. Let's right. So let's just watch it play out. I I don't think it's a threat to Bitcoin. It's a threat to the people who speculate on it. And uh, let's see how these. Uh, yeah, let's see how these VCs handle. Oh, and the other issue I have with Grin is that they're trying this whole ASIC resistance bullshit again. And and there's no such thing as ASIC resistance. That's not real. And you want ASICs anyway, so you should be trying to get ASICs as quick as possible, not de- delaying that. Because if, if you're not the dominant GPU chain, then you're never truly secure. So 
they have that issue as well. That is true. That is true. Good observation. Um, Next topic. Enough about Grin. Yeah. I'm sick of it already. Um, Yeah, we'll be watching. We'll keep you freaks abreast at uh, the the rolling out of Grin and and how it performs in the market. Uh, Lightning Network analysis by the block. Very interesting. Uh, Coming at the assumption that there are centralized hubs. Um, Basically proved that Lightning Network is getting more decentralized over time, too. I believe six months ago. Uh, the top 10 nodes held 58% uh, of the funds held in channels. And since then, since July or June, I believe it's fallen to 38%. So, uh, or excuse me, 35%. I'm messing up the percentages. I'm in the ballpark in that area. Uh, considerable uh, decrease in the centralization of the top 10 uh, Lightning Network wallets. Um, but there was also other analysis. Uh, there's one big channel producer in particular i forget the name off the top of my head uh they're sort of ellen big it's ellenbig.com ellenbig.com which is like an anonymous like black market type dude Mm -hmm. yeah which is kind of badass yeah um what you put this in the in the topic list what in particular did you want to touch on uh i mean of course it's gonna start centralized like it's beating all of our expectations um uh, the capacity keeps going up. Yeah, it looks like Ellen Big has um, 64% of of Lightning Network's capacity. Uh, that is not ideal. No one wants, you know, one entity to be, you know, uh, responsible for, for over half of, of Lightning Network's capacity. But at the same time, like, I, if you asked me a year ago, if our capacity was going to be this high, I would have said that probably wouldn't be the case. So it's pretty impressive how fast Lightning Network is growing. And uh, as we have more people, as, as, as it becomes easier for people to run their nodes and buy hardware nodes and use Pierre's launcher and run it on their computer, you're going to see this spread out. And this is just the bootstrapping phase. And the, the beauty of, of scaling with a layer two network is lightning could completely fail, which doesn't seem like that's going to be the case, but it could completely fail and Bitcoin will be unaffected. And then we continue on, you know, we, 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 we try again. And that, that's the beauty of layer two that, that a lot of people, um, a lot of the lightning network skeptics uh, tend to conveniently, conveniently ignore, right? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people don't appreciate that. They feel like it's uh, the Lightning Network uh, just from a prima facie uh, stance is uh, sort of a centralizing uh, centralizing point of failure in Bitcoin and or not really Bitcoin. I do not find those arguments to be convincing, but uh, there are people that believe that. And like you said, I think experimenting experimenting on these things uh, on layer two is imperative and probably the most advantageous way to attempt to to scale these systems so lightning network if you're not running a node yet try it um it's been fun i i've actually i've been having a lot of fun using the lightning network spending it using it a lot of fun on satoshi's place uh, with the casa node yeah with the casa node um yeah, so the Casa node makes it easy. I think Pierre's launcher has gotten way easier to use if you just want to use your regular computer. 
Yeah. Um, the team at Noddle sent us their node. We, we're going to test it out when, when I get back from Hong Kong, you get back from Miami, give you guys a full walkthrough on that. So it's getting easier. And like, like I said, like the whole point of layer two is that we can just go to town here and you know, if we fuck up, it doesn't fuck up Bitcoin. That's the whole point. So it's, we just, we just keep building and, and, and we, we see where it takes us, but this has been extremely impressive growth. The excitement around lightning has beaten all of my expectations. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, yes, completely. I didn't think it was going to happen this fast. Um, rain dog dance, shout out rain dog dance on Twitter. Uh, he just posted a thread. He took a screenshot of, uh, the lightning network node topology, like six hours into the network. Uh, I just retweeted it. So if you freaks go to my page, you'll find it. Um, what was it? The oldest screenshot I have 17th, January, 2018. Uh, so a year, a year to the date, uh, there was 19 nodes, 28 channels. Capacity was 11 million, uh, 302,000 Satoshis or 0.113 Bitcoin. So that's a year ago. Um, oh, I'm looking at it now. It, yeah. The current state. So now there's 2,727 nodes. Um, though some sites are showing more than 5,000 nodes already. There's 20,443 channels and capacity is at 52 billion 273 million satoshis or 522.73 btc um so staggering growth over over a year from 19 channels to 2027 20, 2727 channels or some people are even seven more than 5000 um so incredible growth from 0.1 Bitcoin to 522 Bitcoin in a year. Right. Fucking badass. Yeah. It's, um... And also, I think there's a caveat here is that it doesn't... Private channels aren't being recorded and more channels are being pri private now. They default to private. Yeah. So you can't just, you can't just look at that. The, the the lightning network is growing at like breakneck speed and the the reason that's possible is because it's layer two instead of layer one so we can still be conservative on layer one and uh innovate on layer two faster than ever which is pretty is fucking it, awesome does anything worry you about uh the speed of the growth like what happens if we get a bunch of bitcoin over there a considerable amount and it, it turns out to be a failure is there a scenario in which a bunch of that Bitcoin can get locked in those channels. I mean, yeah, I, that's why it's still beta, right? Like, so you should don't that. It's like a catch twenty two, right? Like, use Lightning, like play around with it, but like, don't put a lot of money into it. You know, it's a hot wallet. Treat it like a hot wallet. Yeah, exactly. You can so lose if you freeze it. out there. Uh, from and from my experience, I've only put. Uh, I've never had more than two hundred dollars on the Lightning Network. Um, very first world of me to say that's not a lot of money, but uh, nothing, 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 no crazy amount of Bitcoin. Yeah, I mean, and fees are low right now, so like on-chain transactions are really cheap. So you know, just play with it carefully. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I think you know maybe we'll have a bit of a PR crisis if it fails, but like that's why I'm trying to 
preempt that just in case it happens, right? Like you should, if it won't be a complete failure, we'll learn from it and we'll continue. This is true. Um, yeah, so it's still growing again. Go out there, be reckless, but also be be safe. Just be aware. Be aware. Okay, that's the motto around here, freaks. Um, how you how are you liking this remote recording? I feel a little weird. It's so weird. I'm used to just like being in front of you and making faces at you while I drink my scotch. <laughs> um, are you drink Are you drinking scotch right now? No, I, I'm I. I've been, I've had, I've, I, I really failed on my scotch acquisition, so I'm drinking a Heineken right now, and I'm just not really that happy about it, but I am, uh, I, I, I've been drinking all day, I went to the highest bar, second highest bar in the world, on the 118th floor of this building in Hong Kong, it was pretty badass, so, I got, I got, it's flowing, it's flowing, but I'm not, I'm, I, you know, I don't have my drink of choice in front of me. And I don't have you. I don't have my person of choice in front of me. We're not even video chatting. We're we we have we're doing voice chat because we're trying to get get through the Chinese. Yeah, yeah. We had we had some technical difficulties trying to set up the uh, the face to face video chat. Uh, very suspicious. Very suspicious. We had to we had to we had to do some some hacking to make this episode happen. And yeah, it is a little awkward. I, that's why on this entails from the crypt and rabbit hole recap i think the personal connection of sitting across from somebody is important for the conversation not that this conversation's uh not enjoyable um putin putin bitcoin rumor is russia gonna buy all the bitcoin matt um i mean i mean putin probably has bitcoin like i would be surprised if he didn't have bitcoin right uh but but you're not gonna hear about it in the news he's not gonna tell the world he's buying bitcoin that'd be fucking stupid uh, right is that do you have scotch over there uh, i thought my scotch just came it didn't um yeah i uh so i it's bitcoin is perfect for russia and this this recent rumor is probably absolute bullshit it seems like the source is like complete garbage um complete but, you like, know so crazy psycho yeah absolute garbage uh, they're not buying the amount you people are saying they're buying, but uh, it makes complete sense for Russia. They're under sanctions. Uh, they have trouble moving their money. You know, the U.S. government keeps blocking them doing things, and Putin's fucking loaded. So I obviously, um, he like I, I I would be really surprised if he doesn't have any Bitcoin. And so then the question becomes. You know, do you let Putin acquire Bitcoin and not acquire Bitcoin yourself, right? Like the whole adapt or die narrative. Um, these countries are gonna, and these world leaders are gonna need to make a decision. Are they gonna, are they gonna be left behind, or are they gonna actually jump into this thing? Yeah, I think uh, Michael Bitstein, or excuse me, Goldstein. I always say that. At Bitstein had a perfect tweet this week, uh, and it was. A play, I forget what movie it's from, but where uh, the nuclear war breaks out and the screen says the only winning move is not to play. In Bitcoin, the only winning move is to play. So it's the complete opposite of that uh, that movie. And I thought that was, was a very short but sweet and descriptive uh, statement on Bitcoin's incentive network. The only winning move is to play. Yeah, it's game theory at its finest. Everyone's incentivized to 
jump in. Otherwise, they might get left behind. And you never know who has it. You know, we can speculate all day if Putin has it. He can prove if he has it, but you can never prove that he doesn't have it. So you end up in this thing where you don't want to be the last guy at the table to buy some. Right. Um, yeah, so Putin's doing that in China, where you are right now. Um, they are planning on using the Great Firewall to target nodes and miners as well. Um, so this sh- shows the importance of small blocks, we would argue. Um, I, didn't, I didn't even hear this story. This is popping up on me right now. So the Great Firewall, they're, how are they going to target nodes and miners? You know, I mean, I imagine network analysis, deep packet analysis. Uh, this is MIT who released this, so it's not some fly-by-night blog. It's, 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 MIT's, tech, yeah, it's MIT's technology review. Um, this is what we have speculated for a long time. You know, they, they, it seems like they want miners and node people to register with their government ID. Otherwise, they'll block it. And this is, you know, obviously that goes directly against the value prop of Bitcoin as a censorship resistant money. And this is why we need this is the whole point of 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 small blocks, keeping the chain as efficient as possible, um, because it's way easier to hide your connections if if the bandwidth requirements are smaller. And, and also the redundant channels, right? So like stuff like Blockstream Satellite Network, um, you, they, they, can't block, they can't block a satellite downlink uh, through their great firewall. And, and the, only, the only reason you can do that reasonably well is, is because of uh, smaller blocks and an efficient chain. Yeah. Um, so that's an important, important reminder of why. And, and I, I think what we've been harping on more recently and a lot of uh, others as well is that a lot of people um, focus too much on, on the, the data growth of the blockchain, like the, the full state, like how much data, but uh, a bigger problems definitely bandwidth. Um, and, and that's a, a very misunderstood problem in Bitcoin or misunderstood a- area of Bitcoin. Would you agree? Yes. Everyone thinks it's storage. It's not fucking storage, guys. I've been saying this for fucking years. <laughs> it's it's internet. It's hard. It's hard and expensive. And you know, like stuff like running your node through Tor. Like Tor isn't that efficient. You can't you can't run large bandwidth applications through Tor. But you can run Bitcoin through Tor because we've kept it as efficient as possible. And and it's super underrated, and if you don't plan ahead, then it becomes very, very easy to block these things if they decide to, right? And you don't want to be asking for, you know, you you don't pardon. have to ask for forgiveness. Yeah, you just want to be able to do it. You want to be able to route around them. Mm-hmm. So Bitcoin yeah. will be unaffected by this because of the decisions we've made over the last three, four, five years. Well, I want to go as far as saying it will be unaffected. The the alternative ways of accessing and relaying transactions on the network aren't as mainstream and are a bit of a UX hurdle. Like, I don't think I'd be able to set up the satellite by myself right now and do that. Yeah, but if a miner had to, you know, if, if, if 
it's amazing what people can do when they're forced to do it. So the key is that they have they they could be able to do it if if they need to. Yeah, I, I agree that it wouldn't be unaffected, right? But less affected, mm-hmm. I guess, would be a, yeah. a better way of putting it. Yeah. Well, no, no, I guess it'll be uh, a glaring uh, case study in whether uh, these Chinese miners in particular uh, have the gall to to sort of do this outside of the government's eyes and sort of go against the, the, um, the official Chinese government uh that's potentially a possibility. The other possibility, the other side of the coin is this action by the Chinese government is enough to scare people away. Um, yeah, but that could be good too, right? Cause it'll, it'll help distribute mining geographically. So they'll open, you know, mining will move to more locales because, because, you know, regulations in China make it less profitable, less advantageous to mine there. Yeah. But let's also play devil's advocate here. China could be uh, producing the roadmap uh, for how other countries could swiftly uh, stifle Bitcoin adoption and proliferation. I mean, I think you can't really effectively stop Bitcoin right now in your country unless you just shut down the whole Internet, just shut down all encrypted traffic. And, you know, encrypted traffic is super important in the Internet banks and everything like people need to be able to use encryption. Otherwise, they have no security on the internet. Um, I, I mean, it should be interesting to play out, but this is exactly why it's so important to to prioritize the uh, the censorship resistance aspects, right? That, that's the whole value prop. The whole value prop is, is that governments shouldn't be able to control this thing. Um, and that, yeah. that's got to be our main priority. Yeah, and let's loop this back to the conversation in the beginning of this episode. Like that is why we're so hard on these other projects and call out this bullshit because if we earnestly want this stuff to succeed, like that is not, like these are obvious failures on the road to making these systems as robust and secure and uh, decentralized as possible. Exactly. It's all yeah. All the hate is out of love. I do not hate the people involved. Let's just make that clear. It's a, uh, it's it's a hate of the the uh, hate's a strong word. I just disagree with the the path chosen to attain uh, what is essential for these protocols to to succeed. Like, let me put it this way: if if the Chinese government wants to s- stop all unregistered Ethereum nodes in their country, they could do it right now. The bandwidth requirements are way too high. You just can't hide it. Mm-hmm. It's not. That's not going to happen. You know, you're not going to be able to hide it. And 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 there's no going back. Once once you're you're in that situation, it's very very hard to try and pull it back and make it more efficient. You're already you're already fucked. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's let's switch to a happier topic. Genesis trading volume OTC up fifty percent year on year. That's, that's a fundamental. Fantastic. That's a fundamental low key indicator that not a lot of people are paying attention to. Yeah, that's pretty huge. I mean, that speaks for itself, right? Fifty percent volume up OTC. That's where the big guys are playing. Genesis is one of the the major players in OTC in in America at least. Mm-hmm. Um, the other positive news that I really like is Wasabi just uh, implemented multiple multi denominations. 
So before, you know, you had to, you could, you needed denominations of 0.1 Bitcoin. Now, if you have a larger amount, they do other denominations. It gives you a smaller uh, anonymity set, but uh, it it does it. So it, it makes it way quicker. Um, for for large amounts, that's a it's a very very big upgrade that we've seen. Um, the other big uh, that's Wasabi Wallet, WasabiWallet.io. Um, it's it's helping bring privacy to Bitcoin. Probably one of the easiest coin join implementations we've ever had. Definitely the easiest coin join implementation we've ever had. You can just any any OS you can use it on Mac, Linux, uh, Windows. Um, the other big thing is uh, Thor by BitRefill. Have you looked into this at all? Yeah, it's pretty dope. Um, so you, you want to explain what it is? Um, I think you can do a better job of explaining it. Uh, but essentially, BitRefill has set up a huge uh, uh, lightning network channel hub, whatever, and they're allowing customers to use U.S. dollars to get access to the lightning network directly. Is that correct? I'm not sure if you could use U.S. dollars, but I think the idea is that like me or you could onboard people directly onto Lightning. Mm -hmm. I guess presumably you could do something similar with U.S. dollars, but BitRefill I don't think ever interacts with U.S. dollars. Okay, yes, correct. Um, yeah, yeah. So basically like the idea is like I pay them Bitcoin and then my buddy scans the code he gets and he just automatically has a channel open and he's on lightning and he never actually interacts on chain. He just automatically jumps right into, uh, into the lightning network. It makes onboarding way, way easier. And we're back and we're back. I lost Marty again. Um, yep. yeah, it makes onboarding way easier for the lightning network. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a huge... A bit refill just keeps killing it, man. They're like one of my favorite companies now. Sorry, I lost you there. Can you repeat that last part? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was just saying... Uh, yeah, I lost Marty for a second there. This remote thing is really killing me. Um, but at least we're, we're recording locally, so hopefully you'll hear us nice and well afterwards. Um, I just think BitRefill is like one of my favorite companies right now. They're just fucking killing it. Yeah, no, true to the ethos, um, building dope products, putting their head down, getting shit done. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, great to see. Thor's a really cool thing. Check it out if you get the chance. If you want to onboard somebody directly on the Lightning and be reckless in that fashion, uh, BitRefill has made that possible. So we're seeing innovation just pop up out of nowhere. And like specifically, like it works with mobile wallets really well. So like, yes. so the person you onboard, they just need the app on their phone. They just scan it, scan the code, and they're in the Lightning Network. Bang, bang. They're there. Yeah. Um, shout out John Carvalho, who led that, that initiative at BitRefill, I believe. I think he announced that he joined their team, and that was the first product that he rolled out with them. Yeah, they're fucking at badass. Bit I'm just super impressed. Yeah, at Bitcoin Aralog on Twitter, if you want to give them a follow. Um, that's all the topics I have on the list, or I'm seeing at least. What do you want to riff on right now, dude? Are you are you tired? How late is it there now? Did I lose you again? 
I said that's all the topics we have today. I lost uh, you. But what do, we, what do you want to riff on as we as we end this episode? It's so frustrating, Marty. Um, so should we wrap this up because it's so frustrating? Um, yeah, we had yeah. back got that. delayed. They're blaming the government shutdown. <laughs> we told you over over and over again. Don't hold your breath on this. We've been waiting for these kind of things forever. Um, it'll come when it comes. Until then, we accumulate and get them before them. Can yeah. you hear me, Marty? Yeah, back. Yeah, don't hold your breath for backed. It's uh, Marty. I've been saying that. What? I can. I can hear you, Matthew. I don't think you can hear me. Um, but we're gonna end this recording. Thanks, you freaks, for listening. Um, sorry if there was a, this was an awkward episode because we are remote. Um, shout out to you, freaks. Matt, any parting words? Can you hear me? He can't hear me. Um, so we're gonna end it here. Hopefully, this wasn't too much of a shit show for you, freaks. But hey, that's what you get here at Tales from the Crypt. Peace and love. Can you hear me?